for those of you that don't know me, my name is Michael DeMarco, and um, I used to uh, do this a lot uh, from this spot uh, as the former lead uh, teaching pastor here at Friendship, and um, now I live in Eugene, Oregon, uh, back in my hometown where I grew up. I lived here in Mount Juliet with my wife, Haley, which uh, you can say, hi, Haley. She's not here, but she's online watching and chatting, I guess, already in the live stream. Uh, honey, I'm about to preach, so stop chatting. Um, pay attention. Uh, and then my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter, Addie, uh, uh, we're loving life back in uh, our home state. Both Haley and I are from Oregon. But uh, it's my privilege uh, my, my privilege and honor to be here with you this morning. It's good to see a lot of familiar faces um, and a lot of new faces. And so if you're wondering why Friendship is a really odd church, uh, I'm partially to blame for that. And then the uh, oddballs that are still here bear the rest of the uh, blame. So um, this morning... Um, uh, I thought I'd do something uh, a little different, uh, something that I wouldn't do at every church, uh, but I thought that I would come uh, and bring you uh, a message this morning um, unprepared. So I, I am totally unprepared this morning uh, to preach to you. Um, and so, uh, what I, but what I do need is I need some help. For some of you, how many of you remember being in school and having an assignment um, that, that was due, uh, a, a, a class project, an assignment, a term paper, and it was due, and uh, you didn't do anything until the night before? How many of you... Uh, just, you only did it once. You only did it once. But, you know, you, and you'd pull an all-nighter. Well, you know, I thought, well, I'm staying with Keith Pipes and Carol Pipes last night. And, and I, I said, I'm not going to pull an all-nighter. I'm not going to do that. Um, what I'm going to do is we're going to write my sermon this morning, but I do need a study buddy. And I discovered that while I was gone, one of you became a teenager. Like you weren't a teenager before I left, and now you're a teenager. And so uh, Cooper Wood is now 13. Cooper, would you come up and would you help me write my sermon real quick? Okay, that'd be great. I got a, I got a chair for you, Cooper. Um, and so, uh, everybody, this is Cooper. Justin, you might, have to, you might have to adjust the shot here. Yeah, why don't you sit in that? You don't, I have to stand. I'm, I'm Look at, I got a timer. Um, so we're going to, uh, Cooper, we're going to write a sermon uh, for the congregation. They're just going to like surf on their phones okay. for a bit. They're not even going to pay attention to us, so there's no pressure. Um, and, uh, hold on, uh, Let's wake this thing up. That was my dog. Um, hold on here. Um, so, yeah, so go, you can go ahead and switch over, Justin, if you're... Um, so, Cooper, we're going to um, add your name to the... I'm included. 
yeah, we're going to, here we go. Uh, we're going to put your name in here. Cooper, that's copper. Cooper Wood. So um, we're going to do a sermon on the book of Titus. Uh, uh, so it'll look like, it'll look like this. Uh, see there? So you're cited. And you're the first name because you're more prepared than I am. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going uh, to read the book of Titus, the whole book, but the good news, it's only three chapters. So like when you do a book report on a book, um, you know, the shorter the book, the, the, easier, the easier the read. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the book of Titus we're going to make some observations, right? We're going to encounter God in humanity. Um, we're going to text the text. You've done that, right? Yeah. So, uh, But when we text the text, the first T stands for... Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. <laughs> Here. I don't know. Yeah, we're, gonna, you, we're just going to put this down. You don't have to touch it or anything. I know you come from a performer uh, family. So we're going to talk to God, and the reason we're going to talk to God is because, is my coffee breath too bad? No. Okay, good. All right. Not too bad. So not too bad. Thank you for the clarification that it is bad, but not too bad. Um, so we're going to talk to God because we need, when we read scripture, before we read scripture, we need to talk to God to ask him to illuminate the truths about himself and about us and so whether we're just reading scripture or we're studying scripture or we're preparing a sermon, we want to ask God for clarity, illumination, wisdom. So, uh, so I'm going to pray and you pray with me because, you know, adding you will add more power to our prayer. So um, pray with me and, uh, and you all can pray as well if, if you'd like. So let's pray. Dear God, we do ask you to speak to us today through your word, through your scripture, and show us the truths that you would have us see about who you are and who we are, and uh, help us through your Holy Spirit to feel encouraged, convicted, uh, but most of all, uh, that our time reading your word would glorify you with what we do with it and how we live going forward. So we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we've checked that box, the T, and now we're going to read scripture. So um, I won't make you read. Um, no performance anxiety necessary. All right. So do you need a bottle of water or a donut or anything? I'm good. Okay, cool. All right. So let's uh, read the book of Titus. It's only three chapters, but we'll read the whole thing. And, um, and we're going we're gonna to read this whole book. We're going to prepare my sermon. Then I'm going to preach my sermon, and I'm still going to finish earlier than Andy does. So, yeah, it's a low bar. Okay, so let's read uh, from the book of Titus. From Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's chosen ones and the knowledge of the truth that is in keeping with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before time began. But now in his own time, he has made his message evident through the preaching I was entrusted with according to the command of God our Savior to Titus, my genuine son in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was to set in order 
Do you know where Crete is? It's an island off the coast of Greece. It's a big island nation. Uh, The reason I left you in Crete was to set in order the remaining matters and to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife with faithful children who cannot be charged with dissipation or rebellion. Uh, Dissipation is like uh, wild living. Okay. Uh, For the overseer, also an elder, for the overseer must be blameless as one entrusted with God's work, not arrogant, not prone to anger, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain. I don't know if you can be greedy for other things, greedy for loss, I don't know. Uh, Instead, he must be hospitable, devoted to what is good, sensible, upright, devout, and self-controlled. Did I mention I was going to pay you for this? Oh, that's nice. No, did I mention that? No. Okay, good, because I'm not going to pay you. Um, uh, so we must be up, uh, hospitable, devoted to what is good, sensible, upright, devout, and self-controlled. He must hold firmly to the faithful message as it has been taught so that he will be able to give exhortation in such healthy teaching and correct those who speak against it. For there are many rebellious people, idle talkers and deceivers, especially those with Jewish connections who must be silenced because they mislead whole families by teaching for dishonest gain what ought not to be taught. A certain one of them, in fact, one of their own prophets said, Cretans are all Cretans. Have you heard that word before? It's a per- Yeah, from Crete. But now we say Cretan, well, we don't, but some people will say Cretan as like a, as a, um, what am I trying to say, as an insult. Yeah, as an insult, and it's not somebody from Crete, but that's where that comes from. You Cretan, don't say that to your brother, um, Cody. Um, a certain one of them, in, a, in fact, one of their own prophets, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. That's the quote. And then Paul says this, such testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply that they may be healthy in, fa- in the faith, and not pay attention to Jewish myths and commands of people who reject the truth. All is pure to those who are pure, but to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They profess to know God, but with their deeds they deny him, since they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good deed. Chapter 2, but as for you, communicate the behavior that goes with sound teaching. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Older women, likewise, are to exhibit behavior fitting for those who are holy, not slandering, not slaves to excessive drinking, but teaching what is good. In this way, they will train the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, fulfilling their duties at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the message of God may not be discredited. Encourage younger men, likewise, to be self-controlled, showing that's the second time we've seen likewise, right? So there's like some equality going on as far as what men and women are expected to do. Uh, Encourage younger men, likewise, to be self-controlled, showing yourself to be an example of good works in every way. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and a sound message that cannot be criticized so that any opponent will be at a loss because he has nothing evil to say about us. Slaves, yes, slavery was a big thing back in the day. 
And by big, I mean not good. But there was a couple of types of slavery. We'll get to that in a second. Slaves are to be subject to their own masters in everything, to do what is wanted and to not talk back, not pilfering, but showing all good faith in order to bring credit to the teaching of God, our Savior, in everything. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. As we wait for the happy fulfillment of our hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us to set us free from every kind of lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are truly his, who are eager to do good. So communicate these things with the sort of exhortation or rebuke that carries full authority. Don't let anyone look down on you. Remind them to be subject to rulers. This is chapter 3, last chapter. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. They must not slander anyone, but be peaceable, gentle, showing complete courtesy to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, misled, enslaved to various passions and desires, spending our lives in evil and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of his mercy, through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so, since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs. You know what an heir is? Yeah, yeah, like a, someone that inherits the wealth and the riches of their, of their parent. Uh, and so since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on such truths so that those who have placed their faith in God may be intent on engaging in good works. These things are good and beneficial for all people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, quarrels, and fights about the law because they are useless and empty. Reject a divisive person after one or two warnings. You know that such a person is twisted by sin and is conscious of it himself. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Make every effort to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. Make sure they have what they need. Here is another way that our people can learn to engage in good works to meet pressing needs and so not be unfruitful. Everyone with me greets you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So what we have here is we have a letter from Paul to Titus. Okay? So um, like all scripture, scripture is not written to us right? This was a letter from Paul to Titus, right? And he's naming people and professions and even people groups like the Cretans and, and travel plans. And he's wintering uh, 
uh, he's wintering in a different place, and so there's very there's a lot of personal um, there's a lot of personal information shared in here. So it's not written. This letter isn't written to us, but it is written for us because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So um, when we text when we text the text, when we look at Scripture, we look at a couple of big questions, right? We look at how do we encounter God and humanity in this passage? So what were some of the things that stuck out to you in this reading? And I won't leave you hanging, okay? But um, what were some things that stuck out to you in reading this letter from Paul to Titus that described who God is and who we are? It was, it was telling exactly how the men and women should act mm. to be yeah. right, right with God. Okay. So some, in chapter uh, 2, we had, um, but as for you, communicate the behavior that goes with sound teaching. And so, um, so uh, humanity... Um, humanity uh, is expected to behave uh, according to sound doctrine, right? So, believe it or not, Cooper, there are people that know what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches, but they don't live out their lives according to it. I know that's shocking, but those are called hypocrites, and uh, there are hypocrites within our faith and within our church. And so, so humanity is expected to, ha uh, to behave. I almost thought that said behave. Uh, according to sound doctrine, and, and some of those, like, so... Um, you could also say about humanity, uh, humanity is, uh, is prone to misbehave, right? <laughs> so if, I don't know how to spell, can I, yeah, erase, nope, that's pen, erase, misbehave, right? Behave, there it is. So humanity is prone to misbehave. Okay, what else did you see in this passage? In chapter 3, it was telling you what not to do. Yeah, uh, chapter 3 um, was telling you what not to do, but also uh, what was... Uh, people are getting dizzy with me scrolling. Yeah, we're back and forth. Oh, yeah, um, so... Chapter 3 was about how to, um, what not to do. Also, look at verse 1 of chapter 3 over here. Um, there we go. Let's choose a pen, shall we? All right, look at this. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and be ready for every good work. They must not slander anyone, but be peaceable, gentle, showing complete courtesy to all people. Yeah. All is a really hard word, right? Are, who are the people that we're, we're str we struggle to be courteous to? Well, people like the Cretans. That yeah, the Cretans. Oh, man, the Cretans are the worst. 
Let's write that down. Cretans. I didn't spell it right. Are the worst. And Paul backs that up. Um, the problem is uh, we all kind of can be Cretans, can't we? All right, what are some things that we learned about, um, about God in this passage or in this book? How about, how about the introduction? How about, how about how Paul introduces himself? It's kind of controversial, right? From Paul, what is, how does he describe himself? A slave of God. A slave of God, yeah. Um, and probably the, um, there's a translation note in this. If your Bible isn't the same as this translation, it, it's, uh, we're reading from the New English translation, the Net uh, Bible. And there's a translation note in the Net Bible that says that actually this word doulos, the Greek word doulos here for slave, is probably more accurately described as a bond servant. Do you know what a bond servant is? It's basically a volunteer slave, like where someone sells themselves into slavery, uh, both for the, uh, either the wage or the debt that they owe, but also at times they do that... Um, uh, because of the position of the person that they're serving, that it's a place of honor. Uh, but the translators chose slave in here because bondservant isn't a well-known word in our culture. And they wanted, to, the, they wanted the reader to get Paul's impact that he was totally surrendered to serve God. So, so God is... Uh, so God is a master, uh, uh, a ruler, a, um, an owner, right? This is someone that could be surrendered to, uh, your will could be surrendered to where you served them um, rightly. Um, how about this? In hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie, right? God some of this is just pretty simple. You just copy what's there. God does not lie. There's a sermon point for us. Why is it important, do you think, that we recognize and we remember that God doesn't lie? Because otherwise, everything that we'd be reading could like, be a lie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, what's the point of even spending time reading this, right? Unless it's just fiction and it's entertaining, which some of the Bible's pretty entertaining. I had somebody, you'll like this, um, I had somebody um, say to me, um, uh, so you're telling me that this whole thing, this whole book starts off with two naked people and a snake? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty absurd, isn't it? It's pretty absurd. In fact, absurdity is what makes us laugh when we're surprised by something or when something just seems silly. But um, the, the other absurd thing, the reason that we, that we ask these questions, uh, what does this say about God? And, yeah, and, and what does this say about humanity? Um, the reason we ask those two questions when we read and engage Scripture is because the answers to those are so absurdly different. Like, God does not lie. Do you lie? Yes. yes. Hear that? That's not news to you two, is it? No. No. Um, do your parents lie? Yes. 
Wow, that was more <laughs> definitive. Yes. <laughs> here I was going to get them to pay you for being up here, but I guess that's your payback. Anyways, um, so the absurdity in that God does not lie once, but we do it all the time. Um, see, seeing absurdity in the Bible is not a bad thing. It doesn't need to be explained away. Two people naked with a snake that talks is, is absurd, but it doesn't need to be explained away. How the earth was created, how a, a virgin could give birth to God's son, it seems absurd, but, but God's ways aren't our ways, and our uh, ways are definitely lower than God's. Those are important things. Um, one major theme of Titus I think, I think you probably caught this, was um, chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul writes about the reason Paul left Titus in Crete was to set in order the remaining matters, which we don't know what the remaining matters were, but one of them was to appoint elders in every town as he directed them. So, so one of the roles um, that Paul... Um, asked Titus to, to fill out was to appoint elders. Now, different churches have different methods for appointing elders, but here Paul just said, hey, Titus, pick a bunch of guys, make them elders. There was no committees. There was no uh, seminaries. There was no, you know, it was like, and, but Paul was good enough to point out the qualifications of an elder. And you've have you been here with some of the elders that have preached recently? Okay, so, um, so Paul gives some, uh, an outline for um, the qualifications of an elder must be blameless. So blameless doesn't mean sinless, right? Um, part of being blameless is sinning. Uh, you're going to sin, but uh, repenting, being self-aware of your own sin and, and being blameless because of Christ's work in you. Uh, the husband of one wife, okay? Um, so that can mean a few different things. Can you think of some of the scenarios, a husband of one wife? I mean, first of all, have you met girls? Who wouldn't want more than one? You're 13. I don't know where you're at on this fence. You don't want to comment, so I think I know where you are on the fence. So, so, so in the Greek, husband of one wife literally is translated a one-woman man, okay? One-woman man. Now, this can mean, um, because polygamy, having multiple wives at the time, was fairly common, it can mean that. Um, a number of, of churches and theologians think that this is, means can never have been uh, divorced, like had a wife, divorced, have another wife. But um, one of the, if that, if that were the, the case here at Friendship, I never would have been an elder because I was married when I was in my early 20s. It lasted like less than three years and it ended in divorce and it was very painful and I was a knucklehead, um, but there were biblical grounds for the divorce and so it went forward. But think of it this way, the husband of one wife, the owner of one house. 
Okay, similar construction, or literally a one-house man. <laughs> okay, so does that mean if you've lived in a house, but then you no longer live in the house, and then you... What this means is you can't have a vacation home, right? You're a one-house man. That's, that's, that's the way I interpret it, and some other people interpret it, but um, let's, let's keep going here. With faithful children who cannot be charged with dissipation, wild living, or rebellion. Back in that day, um, last year you would have been a child. This year you're 13. Guess what you are in the Jewish faith? I'm a man now. You're a man now. <laughs> that is right. And so, um, when, when different churches look at the adult children of a prospective elder, if they start to look at the adult children of a prospective elder and, uh, and they say, well, they're not following Jesus or they're doing this or that, um, that shouldn't necessarily disqualify them because from this period, they wouldn't be um, children. They'd be, just be rebellious adults. Um, but look at this. For the overseer must be blameless as one entrusted with God, God's work, not arrogant, not prone to anger. By the way, prone to anger is not never angry, right? You're not prone to angry. I can get angry. You won't like me if I'm angry. I'm like Hulk. Um, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain. Instead, hospitable, devoted to what is good. So all of these instructions here, Cooper, are both for elders and then older men and older women are qualifications of being, not qualifications of learning. Even the instruction elsewhere that elders should be uh, able to teach. Able to teach. Are you able to teach this, do you think? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Well, that's humble. It's humble. You didn't say definitely because I'm a man. <laughs> yeah. Able to teach. There's something really important here about the qualifications of an elder, and that is that you don't have to be gifted. These are all characteristics of the person and their personality, who they are as a person, not if they're talented at this or that. Um, so elders able to teach, not gifted to teach. So that explains why Lou and Darren were able to teach, because they were able to, and Adam, you know, they're able. They were really gifted, though. I enjoyed them. I listened, and, uh, I listened to their sermons and, and so able to teach. Why do you think that it's important, the, the distinction? I need a little help from my sermon buddy here. Um, why do you think that there's a, a good distinction in Paul describing the, who the elders are as people and it's not so much about that they're successful businessmen, uh, that, they're not success, uh, that they're not gifted in preaching or even gifted in leadership. Why do you think that that's a, an important distinction? Because someone could have like a good heart but not necessarily be super 
good at specific things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so good heart. What happens if you have um, good gifts, but a not-so-good heart? You know, you're successful, but later in life, you, I mean, once you die, it doesn't matter. Right. And what, what happens if somebody has like talents and gifts and they're like an amazing preacher or they're an amazing businessman or amazing leader, but they are prone to anger and they're arrogant and they're a drunkard and they're violent, but they're a really good preacher or they're really good with church business. Do you see how that can go haywire? And so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes to Titus saying that this, it, these are the qualifications. The qualifications are that they're not, they're not super angry, they're not drunk, they're not arrogant, and they open their home, they're hospitable, they're devoted to what is good, they're sensible, they have good sense, they're upright, they're devout, they're self-controlled, and they're able to teach. In other words, there's a really low bar <laughs> to become an elder. It's really low. And yet, it can be really hard to be an elder because of our sin, because of our hearts. Okay, uh, last thing, um, because we gotta, um, we got to give me time to preach, right? They've just been surfing on Twitter and Instagram. Um, by the way, do you have a YouTube channel? Uh, yes. Yeah, let's get you some followers. What's your YouTube channel? So can can, can, well, wait, is it okay if I send people to your YouTube channel or is there, is it PG? Yes. Okay. What's your YouTube channel? It's spelled M-F-A. Hold on, hold on, hold on. YouTube.com slash, you got, you got to promote your platform. Like you get this opportunity. You may never, you're going to get, you're going to get a dozen new followers off this. <laughs> YouTube.com slash what? M-F-A-E. M-F-A-E, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, that's it. M-F-A-E? Yes. Oh, okay. I, do I want to know what that stands for? No, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Okay, so I don't know what's on Cooper's YouTube channel, but there it is. Okay, there's our commercial break. All right, so some of you are pulling that up right now because you've lost, I've lost you. Okay, so there's a lot here, right? Um, there's a lot here. So here are some of the things that we encountered about God um, um, and humanity. Humanity is expected to uh, behave according to sound doctrine. Humanity is prone to misbehave. Cretans are the worst. Hashtag, I am a Cretan. Uh, God is a master, a ruler, an owner of all. Let's add that in, of all. Uh, God does not lie. Um, um, uh, elders, the qualifications of elders are more about who they are as a person and not their gifting, um, able to teach. Uh, God uh, expects us to submit to rulers and authorities. Um, God expects us to um, be... Um, oh, how about, how about this major section? Um, older men... I'll just say old because it's funny. Old men and women um, are expected 
to disciple, right? You saw that, right? Okay, those are good. Okay, so um, is there anything else that I missed? I mean, there's a lot, but is there anything else I missed? I don't think so. Okay, all right. Well, um, we could preach a whole series on Titus, but let's, um, let's just make our slides real quick, and then I'll preach this. You ready? Okay, so what does this passage say about God and humanity? Um, what are the major points? Uh, Let's start with God. 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 God doesn't lie. God, excellent, doesn't lie. I'm going to sell this uh, sermon online, and, 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 and pastors are going to buy it. Okay, what else? Uh, God doesn't lie. God owns it all. Mm-hmm. Owns it all, yep. Um, what about, what else? What about elders? Elders, uh, elders have one wife. Yeah, have one wife um, more generally because we don't want a lot of little points here. How about, how about one house? They have one house. They don't have a vacation house. Um, how about elders? Um, oh, I know. How about being? Being an elder. Being an elder... Um, is about who you are more than your gifts. Does that work? Yes. Okay. And, um, uh uh-oh, we don't need emojis. Older older, uh, believers should disciple... Disciple younger, right? Um, and then um, submit to authorities because of your witness. How about that? All right? And then um, we're going to examine our hearts. We're going to apply these truths. So in light of these truths about God and humanity, how am I changed or how should I change? So in light of God doesn't lie and God owns it all and being an elder is about who you are more than your gifts and older believers should disciple younger ones and submitting to authorities because of your witness, um, how, how, should we, how do we respond what, is this, what does this speak to you, Cooper, as far as being a 13-year-old, being a man now? Um, um, what, it, what does the Holy Spirit reveal to you in your heart in light of those truths? Try to teach those younger than you. Okay. Try to teach those younger than you. What else? Be less prone to lying. Be, yeah, less prone to lying. Um, And I'm going to put a semicolon. um, Live blamelessly. Remember that blameless? Yeah, Lee. Okay, good. Anything else? It was also in one of the verses it said, be less prone to anger. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about if I 
and anger in there. Yeah. What else? Anything else? What about something towards your relationship to God? We probably want something in there about that. Um, What about uh, something like... what about, um, what about Paul, how he describes himself to God? to God? Yeah, yeah. How, how, what would that look like in your life? Be a volunteer to God? Oh, be a volunteer. Instead of being a slave? Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, slave, too, is a word that we don't throw around a lot for good reason. Um, but um, how, about, how about surrendered? You like that? Be surrendered... To God, do you know how you're going to like live your life as an adult male now, as far as like how you want to be surrendered to God through your work or through your YouTube channel, etc.? Um, do you have plans? This is just a personal question. This isn't going in the sermon. Not much plans. Not much plans. That's all right. You've got time. You've got time. I mean, if you think about it, 13 years is a really short childhood, and then 13 on to the rest of your life, hopefully like 90 years old or 100 years old, that's a lot of time to be an adult. You have a lot of time to figure it out and a lot of time to tell your parents that they were right. So you don't have to get to that. Okay, so uh, Cooper, you're done. Okay. All right, give Cooper a hand. All right, use the stairs. Okay, so, um, all right, we can start live streaming now. Good morning. I'm here to uh, 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 preach you a message from the book of Titus. Uh, It was written, uh, this sermon was written uh, with the help of my friend uh, Cooper. uh, And um, really, he wrote it, and I'm just delivering it this morning. And so you've all read the book of Titus before, right? It's three chapters, chapter one, two, and three. Well, uh, this morning, we want to look at how we encounter God and humanity in this passage. Because from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is just one long encounter between God and humanity. And the absurd part of reading Scripture is not to read it like a textbook, but to see these absurd encounters between God and humanity. The holiness of God, the purity of God, and the brokenness and the evil hearts of men and women that he encounters. And yet, he still comes to us with grace and mercy. And, and the, uh, oh wait, hold on. There we go. There, now, it's, now it's a sermon. We're out of preview mode. And so, and so like, first of all, one of, the, one of the things that just pops out at us from Titus chapter 3, or uh, um, um, the book of Titus, is that God doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. And that might seem like a really simple truth, like, that is so elementary. What, did a 13-year-old write this sermon? But it's not simple. I mean, it is one of the deepest truths about God that if you could wrap your mind around it and just camp out there, that God doesn't lie. It means that everything, everything that he tells us about who he is and who we are is true. 
and it can be trusted. It also means that when we form opinions about ourselves or about others that is counter to what God says, it means that we're living and believing a lie. That's impactful. That's impactful. It should change how we see ourselves and how we live out our lives. The second truth that is really evident in the book of Titus is that God owns it all, and it comes right from that first chapter and that first verse where where Paul is willing to surrender himself as a bond servant, the word doulos or slave, to God. And the thing is, is that God is not just a master that owns it all, but because of the finished work of Christ in our lives, that we are heirs to everything that God owns. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, the Most High King. And so even though Paul identifies himself as a slave to God in his opening to Titus, he also reminds Titus and us that we are heirs because of our surrender. He adopts us as sons and daughters. Here's the other thing that I'm going to, because Cooper wrote all of this, I need to add something. I need to contribute something, right? Uh, and, and that is, last week, Andy read a letter to you all. How many of you read or heard the letter read? Okay, I wrote a letter. Um, I called it First Friendship, you know, like First Corinthians. First Friendship. I was very Pauline in my writing. But one of the things that I wrote in that letter was, um, that a local university, a Christian university back in Eugene, has asked me to speak at a preaching conference, and they asked me to speak on the topic of humor in preaching. And then the line after that, I said, I have no idea why they asked me to preach on that subject, right? Now, how many of you knew or know that I was joking, I was being sarcastic when I said I have no idea? How many of you realize that. Yes, a a good portion of you. But if you didn't know me and I wrote that, you might go, oh, he's so humble and he's surrendered to, he's going to preach on this topic that he, or teach on this topic he has nothing, he knows nothing about. There are so many things within this letter from Paul to Titus, there are so many things possibly that we can't see the insight to because we didn't know Paul, we didn't know Titus, we didn't know their inside jokes, we didn't know the references, and we're reading it in English instead of uh, reading it in Greek because we might miss some playful alliteration or some wordplay. I know for a fact that Darren, have you, did you listen to Andy's sermon last week? Did you catch in the introduction where he said, I'm not going to be as winsome as the last guys that have preached? You, did you catch that? And, and I'm not informing you uh, of something that you don't know probably, that that was a dig at you for not using the word winsome correctly in a conversation with Andy, a private conversation, that that was an inside dig at you? Yeah, that's true. Yes. And the congregation didn't know that until just now, right? So, 
so that is exposing something that just because I have secondhand personal knowledge of that, now everyone knows that. And a lot of times in preaching, we, we seek to do that. We seek for those insights, but we can't always know them. That's why it's important to go to God for Holy Spirit illumination on when we read Scripture. Because again, the letter of Titus was written by Paul to Titus, but Scripture is for us. And so the fact that God owns it all also means that God owns all of that information, all of those interactions between people, and sometimes he can use that for us um, uh, and expose that to us. Winsome. Winsome. It's a great word. Um, Thirdly, being an elder, which the book of Titus is regularly used to to, um, to help us understand the qualifications of an elder. Being an elder is not about gifting. Too often in our churches, we think that the elders have to be successful, um, uh, that they have to be titans of industry, that they must be very learned, and they have to have seminary and Bible college training, uh, or even that they, if they're going to take um, the stage, the, the platform, and preach a message that they must be gifted in teaching. And that's just not so. The, the main qualifications of an elder is their current character. And, the, and I use that word specifically, current, I use that word specifically because that's what Paul is talking about. Their current character. And not just like well, they're better today than they were yesterday. But think about Paul. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He oversaw Christians being killed and in his former life, and now he is directing Titus to appoint elders. Paul is over the eldership process and instructing on the qualifications of an elder, and it's all about being. Now, churches are going to, uh, different churches are going to have different processes for nominating elders. And, and I mean, there is no, um, uh, there's no checklist in here outside of who the person is as a person and how they conduct themselves around other people, believers and non-believers. And that's important because we tend to elevate elders as leaders when really elders are, it sounds weird to say this, but they're a nominal role because all of us are supposed to be creating disciples. Did you catch that after Paul is talking about the qualifications of the elders, then he moves on to older men and older women? And what are they supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be teaching and discipling. It's not supposed to be one super elder or a collection of Avenger super elders. It's everyone that, that the pyramid is supposed to be flattened and older women are supposed to be discipling younger women and likewise older men are supposed to be discipling and raising up younger men, not just in doctrine but how to live, how to act. 
And yet the modern church forces all of that uphill, pushes the rock of discipleship up a hill to give it to just the professionals, just the people with the seminary degrees and the Bible college degrees or the they've worked hard in Bible study fellowship or all this time, Cooper, you could have told me to put on my glasses and I could have read this much easier. As a bespectacled brother, that would have been very helpful. But I don't need them now because I'm looking out here. But, but the, the qualifications of an elder and the expectations on a mature believer are very similar. <laughs> for those of us that are older in the faith, that we've been Christians for a while, we've been going to church for a while, we have to ask ourselves this question, and this will come in the examine your heart portion. But what am I doing? Am I acting and living like a younger believer, even though I am older in my chronological faith? Okay, so older believers should disciple younger, and it's not the elder's job. It's just being older. And then lastly, submitting to authorities because of, for your witness. I mean, we've, we've lived through a time, haven't we? Through COVID and mask mandates. By the way, today, today in Oregon, as of last night, Oregon lifted their mask mandate. So there's been an indoor public space mask mandate since August of last year. So this Sunday at my church in Eugene, Oregon, is the first Sunday since August where masks aren't required. Tennessee's different. <laughs> yeah, and, and the leadership of Tennessee is different, and they've been different, but you and I both know that there have been so many across states and borders and cities, there have been so many, um, so many fights from believers over whether to submit to authorities or not. Well, that's uncomfortable. Let's move on. It's, it's in the rearview mirror. Let's examine our hearts this morning. How is God, how is the Holy Spirit asking you to respond to these truths? In light of these truths about God and humanity, Him and us, God and you, how is the Holy Spirit asking you to respond? How is, is God asking you to live differently? How is God encouraging you in the way you're currently living and exhorting you to do it more? Maybe you've been making more than baby steps towards discipling others, taking people and saying, hey, let's open up a book of the Bible and let's just Let's pray and ask for God's illumination on, on this text. And then let's just ask two big but simple questions. What does it say about God? What does it say about humanity? And then let's, let's talk about it. Maybe you've made steps in your own personal Bible engagement life, but you haven't taken those steps as a believer and doing it with someone that's younger than you in the faith. Um, well, maybe try to teach those younger than you. Maybe God is saying that you need to be less prone to lying and anger. I don't, I don't have an anger problem. Well, maybe that's the lie that you're telling yourself. 
to see it's still there. How, God, can I live more blamelessly? Not sinlessly, but blamelessly, where when I sin, when I, when I do tell a lie, when I do have an outburst of anger, that then I am self-aware of that sin and I confess that sin and I, and I make amends and I make things right. How can I live more blamelessly? Not just for my, my own goodness, but for a witness for not how good I am, but how good God is, how forgiving God is, how great Jesus is. And lastly, how can I be more like Paul, surrendered to God, where I'm not the boss, where I'm not the king or queen of my domain, but I consistently point to God and I ask him, what would you have me do? Um, I currently live in a place that I grew up in. And I went from a place of this place, of leading a church um, and teaching almost every Sunday. And now I, I'm on pace to teach about two, uh, about four to six times a year. And that's a big change for me. That's a big change, especially with our church actually has a vacancy <laughs> for a lead teaching pastor. And I've had multiple people come up to me and go, what, why don't you apply for it? You know, you would be great. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so first of all, this church has existed for 170 years. The founders came over on the Oregon Trail Literally, like they made a game after these people. Um, and, and I don't think in their history they've had a divorced pastor, an ex-felon pastor, a, a pastor that's never been to Bible college or seminary. I know the church is called First Baptist, but that's a lot of firsts. And I said, I said, and they're like, well, don't you want, and I'm like, listen, I am, I'm a slave of God. I am here to serve the church and make the church um, as, as best I can a healthier place. And here's the other thing. I, could, I preach every week. I preach every day. <laughs> it's just to one or two people. My, as, as I said in my letter, the staff here knows that I'm prone to a pop-up sermon. I actually just preached two sermons in a way. This morning, I doubled down, back to my blackjack days. Anyways, so, so when you are a slave to God, and maybe God is convicting you of that you have aspirations or dreams or uh, a dream job that you would have, I would just encourage you, as Paul referenced in, in Titus, that, that God's timing is, is perfect. It really is. God's timing is perfect, and his plan for you is perfect. And grow where you're planted, how you're planted. Because when you try and wrestle control from him and ask for things that he's not ready to give you, then you just force the issue, right? And that's nowhere where you want to be. That's outside of God's will. And so... Um, 
I want to share one little um, fun thing that Eric Moreno just handed to me. Um, some of you know that my wife and I uh, created a, uh, a Bible project uh, for HarperCollins Thomas Nelson here in town, here in Nashville. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, like a simpler study Bible that infuses the text method of engaging Scripture into the Bible. And Eric handed me a sampler that they produced for the Exponential Conference of the book of Genesis. And this is the sample cover of the hardcover. It's called the text, you know, like the sacred text, the text. And you won't be able to see this probably on camera, but um, like this whole left page has T-E-X-T, so the things that you do here at church, texting, it's, it's right in here. And what a gift. Thank you for bringing this along with you. Because Thomas Nelson produced this, and I just found out about it last week, and I was like, well, could I get a copy? I mean, Haley and I wrote this stuff. Uh, so anyways, they're shipping us some. But um, So this is coming, um, and I'll, I'll get a bunch of free copies and send them to the church. But... Um, you never know what God is going to do with you, regardless of your giftings, regardless of your qualifications. If God can speak through a bush and he can speak through a donkey, he can use you. You know, Jesus was the son of a carpenter and God uses all sorts of tools to accomplish his work. And so if he can use a tool like me, He can use a tool like you. So let's ask God this morning to help us internalize these truths and change us into being more like his son Jesus. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for my uh, sermon buddy, uh, Cooper, this morning. I thank you that at age 13, he is a man, and he has new expectations and responsibilities and, and thoughts and drives, and I pray, Father, that, um, that this morning would be a memorable one for him. Uh, not just that he was on stage, but that the message of what it looks like to be an elder and an older person in the faith would be imprinted on his life. That he would seek opportunities to teach those that are younger than him in the faith. Maybe up in kids' church, maybe at VBS, maybe some of his friends. Certainly, he needs to teach his younger brother how to behave. But, Father, we ask your blessing on his life. And thank you for his participation this morning. And Father, it's no secret in my heart that this so-called unprepared sermon for this morning was a manipulative picture for this congregation, for your people, to look at our own lives and ask, how are we taking advantage of the opportunities that you have given us 
even if we're not gifted, the opportunities that we have to mentor people in the faith that are younger than us in the faith. Father, there is not a person in this room that doesn't know people that are younger than them in their faith. And so, Father, I pray that you would remove the barriers, remove the, uh, the excuses that we give ourselves for not having conversations about Jesus, for not opening up our Bibles at school, at work, in the break room, in our neighborhoods, on, the, on our airplanes that we fly on, Father, that you would take away those excuses and you would open our eyes to opportunities to share the good news. Even though we're not, we feel we're unqualified, that we see that the bar is very low because we are, are surrendered to you and we are empowered and illuminated by your spirit and we have the word of God in our hands. Father, help us to take those steps of faith in our lives and make us more into your son, Jesus. And we ask that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.